Hi, this is Alonzo Bowden, and welcome to Who's Paying Attention. We're up to episode 21 of my podcast, and uh, you know something? Let's get right into it. A lot went on last week. Um, I did one on the Republican convention, so let's get right into the Democratic convention. Did you watch it? It was great. I will say this. When it comes to Hollywood, when it comes to actor support, got to give the edge to the Democrats. Republicans, crazy old speech from Clint Eastwood. Democrats, did you see? They had like Rosario Dawson talking about immigration. Eva Longoria was there. They, listen, Democrats are hotter. <laughs> I'm sorry. If I got to watch some actors talk politics, I'm going to watch those Democrats because, man, Rosario Dawson? Are you kidding me? Loved it. So, Barack Obama got the bump. That's what everybody's saying. You know, in these conventions, what they look for is right after the convention, do you get a bump in the polls? Does it move up? The Democratic convention was so good. It was such a show. There was no way Obama wasn't going to get a bump. His numbers went up, even though the job numbers and the job numbers are funny because here's the deal. Here's what happened with the the sacred job numbers that came out last week. Okay, 96,000 jobs were created in August. That's fewer than they were anticipating. So somehow that's considered a failure. Like, well, we expect well, you could expect two million jobs, but 96,000 created is job creation. I think I don't know. Unemployment dropped, but it only dropped 02 percent. So that's not a big deal. But yeah. In spite of that, Obama's numbers went up. You know why? Because of the speeches. Because the speeches were the bomb. First of all, Michelle Obama came out, and and you can only describe this as a don't mess with my man speech. Michelle Obama, and, and what I love about it, she used to be the angry black woman. Right. When they, they when she first came out in in 08 and they weren't sure how to deal with her and they tried to attack her and she shut that down quick, fast and in a hurry. They're like, well, she's an angry black woman. And, and I joke about it because I'm going to tell you, an angry black woman is a force of nature. I have been in the presence of angry black women. That is not a place you want to be. But now now she has passion. That's right. <laughs> she no longer is angry. She has passion. So the Washington Post mentioned how passion, her speech was impassioned. Okay. And, and everybody was talking about it. Even the Guardian, the paper in the UK, Michelle Obama's passionate speech. Listen, Michelle Obama was a woman saying, don't mess with my man. Don't lie about my man. My man will whip your ass and take names. She came out, her speech was dynamic, it was powerful. She pulled in family, she pulled in military. It was great, it was great. If you saw it, it was great. And that was just the opening. Because after Michelle Obama, they brought out the big gun. They brought out the man, all right? Bill Clinton gave a speech that... I mean, they were chanting four more years. I think everybody was chanting for Clinton. Let, let's be honest here. Bill Clinton gave a blowjob speech. That's right. I said it. Bill Clinton's speech was so good. We remembered why he was getting blowjobs. And we was like, I don't know where Monica Lewinsky is, but she better get down to Charlotte because she owes Bill another one. I loved Bill's speech because Bill gave the, I don't give a shit. I'm not running for anything speech. 
called people out by name. Started with Senate Leader McConnell. He called him out because McConnell said, my job in 2010, he said, my job as a senator, the most important thing for the Senate to do is stop Barack Obama from being elected. Make sure Barack Obama is a one-term president, which is horrible to think that that's your job. Maybe your job was to help America. I don't know. You're always talking about the economy and jobs. Maybe your job was that. No, their job was to increase unemployment by one, that one being Barack Obama. So Bill called them out. Then Bill called out Paul Ryan and said, and I'm paraphrased, but basically Paul Ryan was complaining about Barack Obama cutting $716 billion from Medicare. And we all know the truth is that it was cut from the the business side of it. You know, the insurance companies and the hospitals not cut from the benefit side, sick people and old people on Medicare. And I'd say old people like I'm not about to be on Medicare myself. Boy, let me tell you about this knee. I'm sorry. Let me get back to the point. So they talked about Obama's cutting Medicare, but it was the same, literally the same amount of money, $716 billion, that Paul Ryan had in his budget to cut from Medicare from the same places. So Bill just said, man, you got to have some brass ones to call out Obama for the same cut you made. I'm paraphrasing, but when's the last time a politician said to another poli- about another politician, you got to have some brass balls to say some bullshit like that? And of course, he smacked Romney a few times. It was great. It, it was that speech. There were applause breaks. They were cheering. They were yelling four more years. You, you know, when Obama came out, he was like, yo, Bill, I, you my boy. I owe you one. I owe you one. I'm telling you, it was it was said in the immortal words of Denzel Washington. My nigga. That's right. I said it because that's what he said. That man, that was a moment for the Democrats. You talk about the torch being passed. That was phenomenal. And, and here was the thing. Those speeches were so good that Barack Obama, who's a dynamic, amazing, great speaker, his speech, I would only give it above average. You know, he talked about the things he had done. He made fun of Romney. He, he had a good crack on Romney about Romney's uh, foreign policy. The fact that Romney couldn't even get along with England, our number one ally, which was true. You know, he had some good cracks in there about General Motors and about how that worked. And of course, getting bin Laden and every Democrat made a point of thanking the troops because the Republicans didn't thank the troops. But but the, the speakers, you had to give it to the Democrats. And that's where the energy came from. Also, when they showed the audience at the Democratic convention, they never had to look for the black person. They never had to look for the Mexican. They never had to look for the Asian. They never had to look for diversity. All they had to do was show the crowd. Hey, let's face it. That's that's a big strong point. Inclusion. They talked about that. We include everybody. They talked about the gay marriage. You guys know I'm I don't know if I'd say I'm a Democrat, but I'm definitely a supporter of Barack Obama. He had me at black. I've said it before. I say it again. He had me at black. But the speech was great. And the other great thing, and I was waiting for Joe Biden to slip. Somebody, somebody had a talk with Joe. There was somebody backstage that said, Joe, you, you stay on the teleprompter. You read this script. We don't want to hear any of your nonsense. We don't want to hear any of your ideas. Just, just you stick to the script and don't be going off on your own tangents because Joe behaved himself, gave a decent speech. And here is the one thing that bothered me about everybody's speech. Every politician came from some kind of poor background, whether it be 
and Romney talking about them eating dinner off an ironing board in a basement. Really? Really? Or, or Castro, the, the mayor of San Antonio, young Latin up-and-coming politician talking about how his grandmother had to clean houses and couldn't own one. And, and listen, we get it. You all came from abject poverty. Just just stop it. What about what about the middle class? You know what my background is? I'm a middle class guy. I grew up, my parents both worked and we made enough money. We weren't poor. You know, we had a house, we had cars in the garage and stuff like that. So we didn't collect any government assistance. But there also wasn't a bunch of money like my brother, my sister and I were all college age at the same time and we didn't have money for the three of us to go to college, you know, but I mean things worked out. We all got educated, but Talk to that group. There's, I bet there's there's millions of families in the United States looking at that. And they did talk about financing education, but that's big, man. I know people whose kids get accepted to a college and they can't afford that college. And I can only imagine how bad that must feel as parents. So thankfully, they addressed that. And, and the rest of the convention, a lot of cheering. And did I mention Rosario Dawson? She was just looking hot. Eva Longoria. They, they have... Forget about the woman vote. They got the MILF vote. Democrats got MILFs, and I'm all about MILFs. All right, now, let's get to the stupid part. Let's get let's get to the part that is just, I don't know, just knock it off. The, the Nazi references, okay, this has to stop on both sides, okay? Uh, um, Nikki Haley, who's the chairman of the Democratic Party, compared the governor of South Carolina to Eva Braun because South Carolina, they, they had this, what do you, I don't know, war room? Okay, let's call it a war room. The, the Republicans had a, a war room where they were, you know, figuring out how to fight against the Democrats during the Democrats' convention. So she's like, you know, oh, that's like Eva Braun hiding in a bunker. And then, you know, they talked about uh, Paul Ryan, because Paul Ryan's speech, we all know now, it was full of lies. And they're, they're like, it's like Hitler said, if you're going to tell a lie, tell a big lie. Listen, stop it with the Hitler thing. And Republicans have to stop with the fake. We are so offended. Now, of course, we didn't mind when the Tea Party financed the whole Obama and Hitler and Lenin posters. We don't mind the, the Obama posters floating around, the, the Obama pictures floating around the Internet with the Hitler mustache. Well, that's just freedom of speech. That's just good old Americans being American. Listen, this whole thing of each side, you're a Nazi, you're Hitler. And you know what it is? It's literally our politicians are seven year old kids. I know you are. But what am I? I know you're Hitler. But what am I? I know you're Eva Braun, but what am I? And the sad thing is, with the level of our education, our kids aren't even going to know who Hitler and his cronies were. They won't know World War II history because we're, we're not spending any money on education. So how about we just knock off the whole Hitler thing and comparing you to Hitler? And this? How about we aim just a little higher? Oh, wait. I was talking about politicians. Stop. I'm sorry. You're right. Slap me. Did you hear Clinton's speech? That was a blowjob speech, man. I love that. So so here's where we are in this uh, political battle. Okay. Um, in Charlotte, North Carolina, Frank Lutz, Luntz, Frank Luntz is a Republican pollster. 
So he said, you know, what he want he looked for people who voted for President Obama four years ago and said they now intend to vote for Mitt Romney or are open to that possibility. So he found 27 people. This is a poll that he did. Um, wow, it was at Elon University, a school that I canceled the show at once and they never forgave me. They hate me at Elon University. But anyway, he polled 27 people, which is far too few to get any reasonable results. But he confirmed an opinion expressed by Karl Rove. I, how do you, I don't even know how you consider that any kind of poll, but but Karl Rove gave this advice that you have to go negative, but go negative in a nice way. That's the point, okay? The point is that you, you should do negative ads, but you can't do mean negative ads. I don't, I don't, I'm not sure how to do a nice negative ad, like he's a horrible person on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. But you know, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, he ain't bad, and Sundays he goes to church. Perhaps that's it. Or perhaps, you know, the negative Barack Obama ad will be, all right, he's not American, but he's not a Muslim either. I honestly, I, I don't even know. Um, so Luntz, who, who of course is frequently on Fox News, and you know, he's a, he's a Republican, and he's part of the Republican machine, says that Romney can win if he can convince voters in the three debates that he's not a bad guy. Like, is that where we're at now? Well, you know, he ain't a bad guy. Actually, yeah, in politics, that's probably as good as you're going to get. He ain't a bad guy. He's a good guy? Well, no, let's not get crazy. He's not a good guy, but he ain't a bad guy. The problem with Mitt Romney is nobody knows who Mitt Romney is. Not even his wife, because when his wife was in the basement eating dinner off of a uh, ironing board. She wasn't eating with Mitt Romney because Mitt Romney's father was a governor and his family was worth hundreds of millions of dollars. I wonder who she was eating with. Somebody else with good hair. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I shouldn't laugh at my own jokes. That's never good. So they're they're going after the voters. Now, now here's another thing. This This is, you know... This is interesting. Okay, we all know now about the voters being disenfranchised. If you don't know, you certainly didn't see Clinton's speech because he called him out on it. But basically, what the Republicans have been doing is reducing the number of voters, particularly in places where they don't think they'll win or with groups they're not going to win. So they come up with this voter ID requirement, right, which with the courts and thank God for the courts, the courts have proven that this is just a modern day poll tax. For those who don't know what this is, this is the same fight that was fought by black people and other civil civil rights actions in the 60s. What they used to do was, in order to vote, they, you'd have to either pay a poll tax because they knew you were poor and you couldn't pay this tax, but they would only charge a tax to certain people. Can we guess who those people might have been? Black people in the South had to pay the poll tax or they couldn't vote. And then they would ask questions like you had to answer American history questions and stuff like that. So these these battles were fought in the 60s and there were, were laws specifically written against doing this, saying it was unconstitutional. You can't intimidate or stop voters, blah, blah, blah. Well, now they've come up with a new way to do it. They ask you, you know, you have to have I.D., 
A lot of people, believe it or not, don't have ID. They don't have the money to go get a state ID if a license costs $50 or whatever, or maybe they can't get to the DMV or whatever. They're registered as voters, but they don't have the ID. Now, here's a, here's a new one. Oh, and they also mess with the polls. Like in Ohio, oddly enough, the Democratic areas, the polls are closing earlier than in the Republican areas, because if you go to work, you got to go vote after work. And mm, place is closed. What the hell? So here, here's a one in Maine. And really, Maine? Like, is that Maine? Where It's supposed to be a nice place in Maine. But this is a letter, an excerpt of a letter being sent out to college students, okay? Uh, 21-year-old Gillian Demers says she was more than a little afraid when she received a letter from the state warning she may be breaking the law by registering to vote. Okay, what they sent, uh, the Secretary of State, a Republican, Charles Summers, sent a letter, and I'm not going to read the whole thing, but basically what it says is uh, there's a list of 206 University of Maine students with out-of-state home addresses, and they want to vote in Maine because that's where they, they're a resident of Maine because they go to school there, and that's where they'll be on Election Day. And... Um, the letter he wrote to this girl, our research shows you have registered to vote as a resident of Maine and defines residence as a person has established fixed principal home in the area, blah, blah, blah. As Secretary of State, I also oversee the Bureau of Motor Vehicles and responsible for enforcing the laws of Maine. And as you may or may not have been aware, if you're a resident of Maine to operate a motor vehicle, you have to have a Maine driver's license and you had to have got it within 30 days of becoming a resident. So if you didn't do it back then, you can't do it now, blah, blah, blah. It's intimidation. It, it Trust me, if this little girl, this Gillian Demers was was a young Republican, she wouldn't be receiving this letter. So it's bad. Now, the good thing. One good thing, the courts. The courts have have stood up against this, okay? The courts are like striking down in Texas and in Pennsylvania and a few other places where they've come up with these crazy requirements to vote. The courts have said, no, you can't do it. It's illegal. We fought this fight already. But the Democrats are weak. Where are you at, Democrats? How When, when is a Democratic Party going to learn to fight dirty? Okay, you're accused of voter fraud. Try some voter fraud. Voter fraud was great. You know, back in Chicago, back in the day, dead people would vote in every Chicago election. There would be hundreds of thousands of dead voters. And and I just think dead people would like Barack Obama. So let, let's get some dead people voting, you Democrats. But put up a fight. Louisiana? Louisiana, if you died, that was no reason for your vote not to count for another 20 or 30 years. What are you kidding? <laughs> Oh, my God. We are fighting for voting rights in 2012. Go to the Internet, look up the history, read about these same fights being fought in the 60s. And how sad is it that we're still doing it? And Maine? You can't be mean. That should be against the law right there. Just being mean in Maine just doesn't sound. Ah, I'm ashamed. Now, want some good news? Here's some good news, and it's from a think tank, and the think tank is called Ibis World, and these are these are people who you know they they research 
recessions, economy, money, etc., etc. You know what they said? <laughs> they said, we're about to start spending money. Okay? Um, five years after the recession began, wait, the recession began five years ago, but Barack Obama's only been president for three and a half years. Oh, probably another thing that he created before he existed, you know, like, like his birth certificate. But anyway, back when the recession began, consumers stopped spending money. No big ticket items. They stopped buying houses, stopped buying cars, etc., etc., etc. New car dealers' sales went down 28% in 09. That wasn't Obama year. Okay, I give it that. And home builders' revenue down 23% in 07, 28% in 08. Those were Bush years. So basically, we all know people stopped spending money. But you know what? People are spending money again. High demand has pushed up home prices by 3.8%. Not a big jump, but a realistic jump. 12.4 million new vehicles will be driven off dealer lots this year. The auto industry is enjoying a growth uh, through, they're looking at growth through 2017. And you know what else is growing? Things like car washes and, and mechanics, not mechanics, but car washes and you know car accessories and home builders and home improvement listen i'm trying to do some home improvement on my kitchen and don't get me started on contractors i am looking at a stack of unbuilt ikea cabinets that's right anything you buy from ikea you have to build including kitchen cabinets and if you think i'm going to try to put a screw into an arvark from a schlinda and a muka no, it ain't going to happen. I need a contractor and they, man, they must be doing great because all of my call are a little too busy to call me back or schedule a time or actually show up. So the point being, America, people are spending money. The economy's starting to move. And, and this is bad news for Romney and all the doomsday Republicans. Me personally, I like the idea of doomsday. I've said it before. I've said it again. My credit rating is dependent upon the Mayan calendar. If doomsday comes December 21st and I go out in debt, I have beat the system. But all kidding aside, this Ibis World Group says that people are tired of being broke. They're tired of not spending money. So they are going to start spending money. And it's not just for big things like homes and cars. People are going back to restaurants. People are eating out again because they gave that up. And and you want to live it up every now and then. So ladies, you go on out there and you buy some shoes. I said it. Get you some shoes. Let's get things moving again. Okay, so let's move to this. This is one of those deals that I I can't... The logic here is uh, weird, okay? And we know that, that... Obama endorsed same-sex marriage and and they had a speaker at the Democratic Convention who was raised by two mothers and apparently the child grew up, went to college and has lived. Okay, so we know that's where they stand. Now, Ann Romney, when she gave her speech, she spoke about real marriage. You know, it's code. They they always speak in code. It was against gay marriage. Okay, so... Now, this is a very weird thing, Um, and I'll get to what's weird about it. But first, let me let me say, I want to try to find out who wrote this article. Okay, 
Um, Romney supporters who also support gay right marriage comfort themselves by that being against gay marriage is not his priority. Okay, uh, but Richard Sakharides, and I hope I'm pronouncing the name right, he says that's not enough. So basically, the, the, and, and to be a gay Republican or to be a black Republican or even to be a woman Republican, I don't understand it. I mean, your, your, idea, your freedom, you be what you want. I don't understand how you support a party that, that literally in their agenda doesn't like you. But anyway... They say the fact that Romney's not actively against gay marriage, because remember, in 04, when Bush got reelected, did I mention George Bush? We're not supposed to mention him anymore. We're supposed to have forgotten him. But a big part, a big part of him getting reelected in 04 was scaring people that gays were going to get married and move in down the block and indoctrinate their children or something ridiculous like that. But there are a lot of Republicans who are okay with gay marriage. And, you know, Michael Bloomberg, from New York, okay, promises big support, and Bloomberg, the billionaire, got big money, promises big support to party members who broke ranks and back gay marriage, okay, and New York did pass a gay marriage law. Um, Now, Ken Melman, now here is the part, This this is the part that, try and follow this logic. Ken Melman, the openly gay former Republican Party chair, said Republican support for gay marriage and equal treatment under law is increasing because not in spite of because of our conservative values allowing adults who love each other to enter into civil marriage expands freedom promotes family values like commitment and protects religious liberty (laughs) what a great twist yeah we we support gay marriage because it's a family and we love family values you know, politicians, you, you got to admire them because there is nothing they can't twist to work in their favor. Now, this isn't Romney's stance. Romney's anti-gay marriage, which he probably isn't anti-gay marriage, but he has to be to, to appease the Tea Party, you know, voters in his party. But that was that was a trip. There was. Wow. So we we're now we don't hate it. We kind of like it because it's a family value. And, you know, uh, Jesus said at some point in here, Jesus is going to have to get involved into this. Um, So Romney has signed a pledge that agreed to support the anti-gay marriage constitutional amendment. But, you know, that that's going to change. Trust me. He'll flip on this one. I just love that that logic that, no, we're for gay marriage because gay marriage is um, a family and we like families and family values. Huh? Okay, let's let's get away from politics. Let's get to something. Are you sitting down, Whole Foods shoppers? Um, researchers from Stanford University and the a VA Palo Alto healthcare system have found that organic foods typically don't contain any more vitamins or nutrients than foods grown with pesticides. Let me say that again. Organic foods don't contain any more vitamins or nutrients than foods grown with pesticides. 
However, organic food does contain less pesticides. Well, that's because in order to call it organic, it has to be grown without pesticides. But wow, organic foods aren't any better for you. Man, if word gets out at Whole Foods, they might not be able to sell any more $15 salads. I don't know. Woo. The organic stuff. But the, but then what do you do with a with a woman who likes you? Because there's some hot women who like the organic food. And as you know, men will pretend to like anything if hot women are involved. So, guys, do you tell her, listen, you just keep eating your fruits and berries and your organic carrot. I'm going to have this here cheeseburger with some processed lettuce and tomato on top. And I'm just as healthy as you. I don't know. I don't, I don't know what to think. I wonder if this has to do with football season being here. This might be, this might have been, this study might have been financed by Hooters. Now that I think about it, wait a minute. That's right. Well, the organic blueberry industry is pissed off right now. Um, here's another one. And, and I love, I love these kind of stories because, you know, it, it's, Captain Obvious, that you've heard me speak of the Department of Obvious shit. I'm going to throw this in there, okay? Top 10 reasons why people stay at their jobs. I enjoy the work I do. My job fits well with the other areas of my life. The benefits. Now, let's get to the real reason. The pay. You know why I stick with my job? Because, man, I like eating every day. Whether it be organic food or non-organic food, there's something about going to work getting a paycheck, buying food and eating that really makes it worthwhile. But only 59% say to pay. Um, Most people say I enjoy the work I do. That's 67%. That's the biggest reason people keep the job. Um, Co-workers, 51%. Because you have to talk to somebody. You have to gossip. Like they canceled Jersey Shore. If you don't like your co-workers, who are you going to talk to about that? That is important information. My job gives me the opportunity to make a difference. 51% of people say that. Oddly enough, none of them congressmen. Uh, My manager, 40%. There aren't any other job opportunities for me. That would be 39%. Those 39%, everyone in the fast food industry. (laughs) I got to stop laughing at my own jokes. Please forgive me for that. But I thought that was pretty funny. Okay, time to wrap it up. I've been rambling on long enough. But, but... I want to wrap it up with two personal notes. One, I, I definitely want to say rest in peace to, to a big man who was a great actor and, and a hell of a nice guy. I was lucky enough to meet him. Michael Clark Duncan passed away, and, and it's really sad. He was only 54. He was engaged to Amorosa, who I also met, who um, I will tell you is not the person you see on TV. She, she is much nicer, and she has a heart. She could be very sweet. But anyway... I met Michael Clark Duncan at an audition. It was before he did Armageddon, before he became a movie star. The audition was for a big guy for some show on NBC. And all of us in that room looked at Michael Clark Duncan and said, exactly what the hell are we doing here? At the time, he was 6'9", 300 pounds, and there wasn't much fat on him. He was huge, but but a, a really nice guy. He was laughing and joking even in there, and I'm sure he was like that. Um, so it's, it's sad. It's sad that he had to go so young. 54 is not not old by any means. So God bless you, Michael. And, and I loved Armageddon. We all love the Green Mile. And you know something? 
I loved you as the kingpin because you truly looked like the kingpin. Yeah, I grew up reading comic books. I knew I knew the kingpin from Daredevil and Spider-Man, and you could have been the kingpin. So thank you for the work you did, my friend. And um, on a final note, and who? Yeah, well, here it is. I, I, did a, I hosted a fundraiser tonight. It was a Barack Obama fundraiser, and it specialized in the arts. And it was basically because... You know, the Republicans always say that they're going to shut down the National Endowment for the Arts and they're going to shut down NPR and public TV and all of that. And, and you know, it's such a such a minuscule part of the budget. I mean, it, it's literally it, it wouldn't if you had a hundred dollar bill, what we spend on the arts, I think, would be like half of a penny or something like that. But anyway, they always say they're going to shut it down and blah, blah, blah. This was um it was artists for the arts. It wasn't a big deal. It wasn't one of these multi-million dollar, you know, $5,000 a plate dinners. They, they get bigger comics than me to host that. But but this was great. There were um, dancers and singers. There were some kids. Uh, Le Petit Cirque were, were little kids, uh, kids 7 to 10 years old, doing Cirque du Soleil stuff and doing it with trapezes and... Um, hanging hoops and stuff and it was amazing and there was a there was a dance done by um, Lola Washington Dance Company Lola Washington is a woman who's been around in LA and she's taught dance and choreographed and, and she's you know a big person in the dance world and, and believe me I don't know anything about this world I'm not an artist okay I'm there as a host they're like you're an artist like I got six good jokes alright and two of those are dick jokes that we don't tell in mixed company. But anyway, if you saw this dance that these, uh, it was two guys and a girl did to, to an original composition by Terrence Blanchard, who's a brilliant jazz trumpeter, everybody was silent. Everybody was moved. And, and here's my point. They always say, when they're talking about government budgets, you know, defense can't be touched. We can't cut a penny from defense and and I used to work in the defense industry and I entertained the troops in Iraq and I get it I support the troops and you know you know what was horrified me in Iraq you know what I thought was terrible our military our soldiers have to buy their own body armor that really bugs the hell out of me like like we can't find the money to give them body armor and some have better body armor than others because maybe their family has more money or they, you know, the hometown raised money or they bought it, whatever. But but to see that that's our priority. If you saw the art of this dance, I would say we could buy one less gun to pay for that and we'd be a better country. Um, we can't give up on art. We can't we've stopped teaching children music in schools and you know dance and and painting and interpreting feelings and sharing it and you know something we all use art because we're all entertained by music or maybe you go to art galleries and look at it or maybe sculpture or something moves you but the point is we can have both they're not mutually exclusive and you know where you cut the money there's some head of some defense company making a, you know a multi-million dollar a year paycheck well his gets cut his gets cut and and we buy body armor for soldiers in harm's way and we pay for a kid to go to music school i love my country and that is part of america we do stuff like that so i'm not starting a huge movement i'm just saying the next time you you have a piece of music move you or 
or you see an interpretive dance or you just see a kid who's learning to play an instrument, just think about um, that's probably worth more than a bullet. All right. This is Alonzo. Who's paying attention? You are. Thank you guys and good night.